The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Hello, welcome, however, wherever you are joining us. Happy Friday. You made it to the weekend. Congratulations. Glad to have you along. You're on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, got a great show in store for you. Really, really, really great show, especially in the first hour. Uh, about 4.30, uh, we're going to have Craig Hislop, who will join me, as well as the newly minted inductee of the Utah Sports Hall of Fame. That would be none other than Jim Lobb. He'll join us here in studio, and we'll talk about his experience with Utah State, his time with Utah State, what got him to... Uh, as successful as he's been financially, why Utah State Athletics? Why did he choose that? Uh, Craig Kislip again will be along with us, and he'll be able to. He's he's known Jim for a while, and uh, and Craig's obviously been a color analyst for Utah State football games was for uh, quite some time, and so um, the relationship between the two is is familiar, and that's why I chose Craig to come in with us. Eric is gone, not dead, alive but not forgotten. He'll be back on Monday. He's uh, celebrating the fall break weekend with his family, rightfully so. Family always comes first. Uh, we were going to get into some World Series talk, or excuse me, ALCS talk. You might as well put it as a World Series. Seeing the way the Yankees played last night, the way the Astros played last night, and where that the fact that we still have maybe if the Yankees can even pull this game off, two to three games left to go. Uh, with that, we'll also get into RPI ranking in football. I'll give you my predictions on where each team will stand in our region in that RPI ranking. That's to be released tomorrow morning, and I'll give you my final thoughts. Uh, and my final keys to a Utah State Aggies needing to get a third conference win um, this season over the Nevada Wolfpack. Again, that game is tomorrow night, 8.15 p.m. Uh, it's on CBS Sports Network, but you know what? We had a great crowd in that storm uh, about two weeks ago versus Colorado State. Why not do it again, right? Or three weeks ago, I should say. Uh, it's supposed to rain again. It's supposed to be cold. It's supposed to be raw. Just the way football weather always draws it up, right? So get on out there, get your tickets on UtahStateAggies.com or go to the ticket offices and find it there. Uh, all right, let's get into some World Series talk, shall we? Uh, the Yankees came into this game with confidence that Tanaka could be able to shut down this lineup. And for the Astros, when it came to, I guess, Springer and Correa both struggling at the play, you thought, hey, Maybe the Yankees can get back into this thing and, and uh, right the ship, especially with a dented bullpen. Well, the Astros had other things to say. 1-0, set at the belt. Now the pitch. And that ball's driven to left field. Back on it, Garter. He's on the warning track. There it goes, George Springer. A three-run shot gives the Astros the lead. It's 3-1. Here's the 0-1. And that's hit pretty well and pretty deep to left. Gardner is going back, looking up. See you later! A three-run home run for Carlos Correa. And the Astros go up 6-1. to one. My gosh. Final score, 8-3. Astros win it. They take a commanding three games to one lead now over the Yankees, who silence the Bronx, silence the Yankees, and have put them on thin ice in this ALCS. Uh, Springer shot was a was a splitter from Tanaka that just hung way too high, right in right in the alley where Springer uh, 
uh, took it, and, and I mean, it was a get out of here quickly home run. And Correa shot off of Chad Green when they were going to that vaunted bullpen. Uh, he took a fastball and sent it. Now he to a, I mean, a home run that I don't think yet landed. Uh, those two hitters combined for just five hits in the series, but four of those hits have been home runs. That's what's incredible. You had a three-run homer by uh, uh, Springer, a three-run homer by Correa, five hits before them been home runs. That's why they've been doing damage. Now, earlier in the day, there's been this talk about the whole tipping pitches. Are they stealing pitches? And um, you know, and Houston said, look, if, if the pitch is being shown, we're going to see it. How do you not see it? Paxton, on the other hand, the pitcher for the Yankees, says, look, I'm not tipping my pitches. I saw the game film in game two. I'm not tipping him at all. So obviously they're picking up signs one way or another, but it's got to be illegal. So they're not very thrilled about it. So the Astros said, you know what? Forget it. You guys aren't tipping pitches tonight. We're still going to beat you badly. Again, A3 or final. Brantley had that RBI single to cap off the scoring uh, for the night. And for the Yankees, or excuse me, for the Astros, Zach Greenkey, not great. He had uh, he had the four and a third innings. He uh, gave up uh, three hits, one and run, four walks, five Ks. So he doesn't even get a quality start. That means Presley comes in. Presley had comes in with the bases loaded and one out, and then strikes out Gleyber uh, Gleyber Torres on a a check swing that really wasn't a check swing. In fact, it should have been a ball. And uh, the Astros are let off the hook. That's a strikeout. And then he also got Edwin and Carciondo to strike out as well. So he gets out of the bases loaded jam. Fans were just done with it. I mean, by 12.30 in the morning when the game ended, a chunk of fans were already gone. Something that Astro fans, well, a lot of Major League Baseball fans, didn't mind seeing that the fans exited so quickly. On the other side, uh, CC Sabathia tried to go. Um, he ends up, uh, in fact, uh, he actually separated, dislocated his shoulder. So he wasn't feeling good, and he tried to go through a few more pitches. Didn't work out. Um, the the, in, the uh, training staff comes out. They sit with him. Uh, and then he says, well, let me throw a couple warm-up pitches. And then after the first pitch, he said, nope, I'm done. Uh, and so here is CeCe Sabathia on feeling that pain. I was in a pretty pretty good amount of pain um, last night um, and today. Um, you know, waking up, I didn't sleep, I didn't sleep that good. Um, you know, I, you know, I don't know what I did, but it's, uh, it's pretty sore and it's, you know, the, the pain's been pretty, pretty intense since that pitch. After that, uh, CC Bathia walked off the field to a standing ovation from the Yankees crowd. You don't get many of those. And if you do, you gotta be special. That's what got me more emotional than, than, you know, actual injury. Um, you know, just hearing the fans and, and, you know, the way that they were cheering me and, and, uh. You know, it just makes me feel good. You know, it makes me feel like I made the right choice 11 years ago. Um, you know, I love these fans, love this organization, and, um, you know, it was just awesome to, to hear that and get that on the way out. So Tanaka starts. He does get the quality start, but then also takes the loss with it. Five innings, four hits, three earned runs, two walks, one K. Not a great night for Tanaka. He throws 85 pitches, 52 strikes, uh, but, again, gave up that uh, that big home run to Springer. Uh, and then for the Astros, again, this is just, look, I mean, they're now they're one game away from once again being in the World Series. It feels wonderful. They feel ready to go. Uh, and for um, Justin Verlander, uh, he uh, he will get the ball for the game 
or to me, for the chance to clinch the ALCS and move on to the World Series. Um, he feels good about it. Uh, and one thing is for certain that the mindset of going into this game is not going to be any different from the last time. You don't want your mindset to change. Uh, whether you have a series lead or not, um, I mean, the, the any game can swing on any moment, and the series can swing on that moment as well. So, I mean, I guess you just don't let off the gas. You just stay focused and try to do the best you can. And for Aaron Boone and the Yankees, uh, they're hoping that Giancarlo Stan will return. He's been out for the series so far with a, a hamstring issue. Uh, they're even hoping just to even have him be a DH. Here's Aaron Boone on Stanton's hopeful return. Just felt good about his progress yesterday. Um, you know, it felt like it was the first day where he made s- some pretty good progress. Um, you know, clearly not 100% running. Um, don't feel like hitting will be an issue for him. Um, and, you know, just have to kind of govern govern himself out on the bases. But, um, you know, he's been kind of wanting in there the last few days and, held off held off and then he actually did come by my office last night and we both kind of said let's go and uh so excited to have him back in there so it'll be justin verlander on one side of the mound and then on the other side of course it's mr tipping pitcher james paxton on the other side uh james so far versus houston too uh he's uh he's not been incredibly well um i don't know how effective he actually will be tonight but uh, he has a 3.86 ERA in these playoffs. Um, no home runs given up. He's pitched just two and a third's inning with four hits and three Ks. Uh, and again, Verlander on the other side should be a good one tonight. That's a 5.08 start time. That's on Fox Sports 1. That's FS1 to define uh, this game. Uh, again, uh, Houston looking to clinch and go to the World Series once again. It's starting to become like the Golden State Dynasty, right? You know, Golden State made that great run, and people talked about how great this team is and how many more finals are going to go to, whether that happens now or not with the absence of Kevin Durant um, and the delayed star for Clay Thompson, who's recovering from a torn ACL. Uh, it's, uh, we'll find out, you know, how, how good this Astros team, can they keep their team together? Can they keep the kids together? Um, and, uh, and again, where in, in the AL where things always get tougher, like what the Western conferences in the NBA in regards of free agents or in competitiveness, I should say, so is the AL in the baseball. So, uh, should be going again, 508 your start time for that. Uh, and you can find that on FS1. All right. Some, uh, Utah State Aggie news to give you. Uh, good news actually for the Utah State Aggies and, and more recognition, if you will. Nimiyash Keta has been named to the Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award watch list. You know if he's been named something like that, it's got to be good, right? Uh, that award is an annual award recognized in the top center of Division I men's collegiate basketball and announced by the Namesmith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame on Friday. A national committee of top college basketball personnel determined the watch list of 20 candidates. Now, you all remember uh, Namish Keta from last year was one of the uh, just 66 players in the nation to be invited to the NBA Draft Combine last season after being named Mount West Freshman and Defensive Player of the Year. Keta shattered the single-season block record at USU and helped the Aggies to their first appearance in the NCAA since 2011. He finished the year with 84 blocks, far surpassing the previous school record of 59, set by none other than Mr. Sean Daniels from 2000 to 2001. Keta led the Mountain West and finished uh, 14th in the nation with 2.4 blocks per contest. He started the year with at least one block in 29 straight games, the longest such streak in Utah State history, and recorded at least one rejection in all but one game during the year. 
Cat have recorded a season-high six blocks in two games this season, matching the third most blocks in a game in Utah State history and setting a new Mountain West freshman record. Wow. In addition to his defense, Keta finished second on the team with 11.8 points per game and led the team with just under nine rebounds per game. He scored in double figures in 24 games and locked a team-best 10 double-doubles during the year. His team leading 312 rebounds during the year marked the first time an Aggie has surpassed 300 rebounds in a season since 76-77 and marked a new USU freshman record. Yeah, he deserves to be on the list. Yeah, that that resume will help that a lot. So again, uh, Namiya Shkeda, congratulations to him. He has been named to the uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar Award watch list. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, uh, we'll get you ready for uh, Mr. Jim Lobb. He's going to come into the studio. What an honor and a pleasure this will be. Craig Kissup will join me. I cannot wait for this. Uh, that's all coming up here on the Full Court Press. 106.9, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies are number one here. The Full Court Press. Connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and online at 1069thefan.com. RJ Salveson here on the Full Court Press, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The fan, and just here in a, a couple minutes, you're going to hear from uh, a, a legend, a Cash Valley treasure. Um, I've talked to several people. Actually, no, wait. I'll, I'll rephrase it. I've talked to three people who I hold in high regard, and the ear-to-ear grins you get and the and the way they speak about Jim Lop tells me all I need to know about how excited I am or tells you all you need to know about how excited I am to be able to uh, be a part of this interview. Joining me will be, of course, another legend. And, I mean, this is, I mean, I feel like I got a bomb of the totem pole here. Craig Hislop, who's, uh, who, uh, who has a mic in front of him. Craig? Was that, was that an that, that That's your cue. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, I, don't, I didn't tell you this can you hear me? Yeah, uh, there we go. Try that. One, two, three. See? But I just got to learn how to push the buttons. Here's here's what how's the show's going to go. Oh, boy. We're going to have a break here, and then we're going to come back, and for the next 45 minutes, Jim and I are going to talk about the Yankee game tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, about how you guys' season's going to end, and that's what we got to know. I mean, I'm going to have to find out, is, is your season going to end? Is it is it going to be over? Time for a break. <laughs> Uh, Craig Hislip on uh, on my left, you're right in your radio dial, and then Jim Lobb will be joining us here in just a couple minutes. Uh, uh, Craig, before we get to Jim Lobb here after our break, I got I got to ask you your experience, uh, or are you hearing about Jim Lobb being inducted into the Utah Sports Hall of Fame? What was your reaction? Uh, I thought it happened already. Really, <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of thing. I you know you heard that sometimes about a 
like a baseball player. I mean, they're just putting him in now in the Hall of Fame. I thought that happened 10 years ago <laughs> because he should have. I mean, you know, and it was uh, well-deserved. Sorry, My just, microphone keeps going off. Are you sorry. doing this on That purpose? was me. That was me, and that was okay. accidental. No, so I, I was not surprised at all. And um, I was glad that, boy, there was a nice picture that somebody, John Hartwell or somebody, sent around with Jim and all those athletic directors that uh, yeah, how about that? over the years. That the was who's good. who of Utah State yeah. right there. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, without further ado, we'll take a break. We'll come back, and Mr. Jim Law will join us here on the Full Court Press. This is, again, an honor and a pleasure for me to stand in front of two very legendary people, a part of Cash Valley. That's all coming up on the Full Court Press. I'll Salsa, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Interviews, analysis, and a little bit of fun mixed in. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. AJ Salveson, Craig Hislop alongside me here as we have a very special edition of the Full Court Press in your 4 o'clock hour here on a Friday. Congratulations, you made it to the weekend. We're happy for you. Hope you enjoyed as much as we do. No high school football tonight. They're on a UEA weekend. We'll get you ready for the state playoffs. RPI rankings will be released tomorrow. You'll find out who has a bye, who's at home, and who's on the road. And we'll cover that for you on not only CashValleyDaily.com, but as well, we will have it uh, on Monday to recap. Again, 4 to 6 p.m. here on 106.9 The Fan. All right, it's time. People are sick of hearing my voice. People are sick of listening to me talk, and I don't blame you. You have to hear it Monday through Friday. Uh, it's time to get to the good stuff and the uh, person you want to hear from the most. Joining me now, live in studio, alongside Craig Hislop, is, uh, again, newly minted Utah Sports Hall of Fame inductee, uh, a Cash Valley treasure, a Utah State Aggie believer, uh, blue blood as much as they come. Uh, Jim Lobb joins us here live in studio. Uh, I'm told not to call you Mr. Lobb because uh, you don't feel comfortable with that. I'm told not to call you sir. So I'm going to try and call you Jim and be comfortable with that. Just good old Jim. That's perfect. <laughs> I'm glad we're on a first name basis five five minutes into this show. That's, that's good for me. Let's keep it like it's been between you and me. <laughs> Your Royal Highness. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, no. Uh, Jim, let me start here. Uh, you know, with when you first had this opportunity to donate and, and you chose Utah State University and you chose Utah State Athletics, why? Oh, gosh. It's an easy thing to answer because uh, I grew up uh, in a family where my parents had been deeply involved in USU Athletics. And even going back to my grandfather, my grandfather was a great sports fan. And even though he didn't as far as I know, he didn't really have great ties to Utah State University. He had close ties to the University of Southern California. He was a big baseball fan, much as myself. But anyway, getting back to my parents, I, I grew up uh, with my parents, and they were always really close with some of the early football coaches, John Ronning. And then when Tony Knapp came along, they were best of friends with Tony Knapp. And we, we've just we've just always had an affinity for USU athletics. And my father was always giving back then when it was $100 a month was a, was, that was a big deal back then, $100 a year, excuse me. And I, I told the story at the Hall of Fame induction uh, last Monday evening. I still remember right after I graduated from college, I remember writing out my first check. I think it was for $250 to the Big Blue Club, and I was excited to do it. And uh, 
you know, but I had a lot, I had a lot of people I learned from J.D. Harris, uh, Dean and Shirley Baugh. I, I saw how these people contributed back to the community, and it just made an easy tradition to follow. And then over the years, uh, it's just gotten, you know, it's been, it's been fun to do. Yeah. I've enjoyed it. They never had to twist my arm very hard. Let's put it that way. <laughs> Craig? Uh, Jim and I are kids that grew up here. We grew up Aggie fans. Um, my the coaches and players were my heroes. I'm sure just like Jim, but he was a little closer to him as he he said one day uh, I I I went to your home because Tony Knapp had come back. Right. He was coaching. I don't know if he was still at Boise State or or at UNLV, but he was going to be there that day. And Jim, I'd never been that nervous because <laughs> I I spent a year on the freshman team and he was the head coach, and I'd never spoken to him in my life. I'd watched him on the sidelines and everything, and I watched him. I was sad when he left, but uh, that was a big deal for me that day. Tony Knapp was a great human being and a great coach, and he made a big impact while he was here. Uh, when, you, when you see Utah, where you started with Utah State and to where it is now, what has changed the most to you? I mean, you've, I mean I'm sure you talked to a lot of national people who – now that you've traveled a lot with Utah State and such, what's the biggest change you've seen in regards to Utah State athletics nationally? Well, a couple of things that come to mind real quickly. Our facilities right now were, we, we, in the past, we sometimes had to apologize for our facilities. I've heard stories about how football coaches, when recruits would come in, they wouldn't even take them to the dressing room or the end zone facility. Wow. They wouldn't even show it to them. Uh, but now we're, we don't hesitate to show off our facilities. Our facilities are probably as good, or if not better, than anybody else in the Mountain West Conference. And then plus the fact we're in a nationally recognized conference like the Mountain West. That, that brings us great credibility also. But taking nothing away from the Big West and the PCAA, and I guess weren't we in the Sun Belt for a while, too, yeah. Craig? We, we, went through that, right. mm-hmm. we went through that phase where we didn't know year to year what conference or where we were going to be and that was that was kind of a tough time for usu athletics at that point but now uh, we're on solid footing great facilities great coaching a great fan base uh great conference so i think the future is really bright in fact uh, chris hill came up to me at the indu- induction ceremony when we were talking uh, chris hill was inducted also yeah the former athletic, athletic director at the utah. university of utah mm-hmm. for 31 years but he he pulled me aside he said uh, and I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but essentially he said in the past we didn't pay a lot of attention to Utah State, but now with the facilities and the coaching staff and the community, and Utah State has so much going for it right now that uh, he said we're really in a good spot. And so that was good to hear from a, uh, a somewhat of a competitor. Jim, I think you'd agree that uh, in the years leading up to well, what you were able to do for this athletic department, we were falling behind. Absolutely. And uh, we could see that. And even as we're getting close to talking to, to another league besides the Big West, we didn't have what we needed. And one thing led to another. And I'm, my question was, and I've never talked to you about this, what was the first significant thing that you did as, uh, you know, as a contribution beyond the $250 that you signed when you were a college student? But when it really started to roll, and how did it start who who talked to who well the the first thing boy uh i got i hope i get this right but the first thing of, of real significance that i remember is 
Back when Dave Cragthorpe was the athletic director for a very short time, maybe just a year, but he, uh, he saw the need to put lights in the stadium. And uh, everybody agreed at that point. And then Dave left to go to Oregon State to be the head football coach. So that drive that he had started kind of petered away. But then when President Emmert came, became president of Utah State, and he had, he had great expectations and great dreams, not only for the university, but for the athletic department. And then he had Chuck Bell as the athletic director. They started the drive to get the lights in the stadium. And it seems like it's just been a continual since then. Uh, the indoor uh, facility, which is named after my younger brother that was killed in a car wreck, that was, uh, that was really important to Coach John L. Smith at the time. and So that, that was a big stepping stone. But really until the, I think the end zone facility was built, I think that really gave it the impetus because that was something that the recruits and players could really look at and say, here's a place with first-class locker room, first-class study area, first-class offices, and nobody was apologizing at that point. So I think that's kind of, you know, that's how it kind of shaped up. It amazes me that that building was finished in 2008 or so. Has it been that long? Yeah, it's been 11, 11 years. 11 that's my years. point. Wow. So 2008, it's finished. 2009, Gary Anderson comes along, and as he likes to say a lot, away we go. I mean, right. that it wasn't a coincidence that that's when things started no, to happen. absolutely. Because that facility was just mandatory. Yeah, and then soon after that, Scott Barnes became the athletic director, and uh, he followed up on the great work Randy Spetman had done. Two great athletic directors. Three. I, well, I've mentioned three great act, athletic directors, Chuck Bell, Randy Spetman, and Scott Barnes. But uh, when Scott Barnes came, he, f he finished up the end zone facility that Randy Spetman had started, and then... Uh, we started to take care of the fan base a little bit with the, with the press box and the suites and the club seats and uh, just made the, all the amenities, improved rest, uh, restroom facilities. So it's been a, it didn't happen overnight. It happened over, what, 15, 20 years maybe, Craig? Yeah. Uh, so since we're on first name basis, and you don't have to be specific, please don't. Okay. Because you're so humble and, and so down to earth. But do you have a tally, like to the exact dollar of how much you've donated? No, no clue. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I really don't. So. That's amazing. Uh, I, you know the relationship between um, you and and the dedication you've put in to the university, financially and emotionally, um, it, it is incredible. But with that, and with with everything that happens, are you ever a part of the, of like a decision process and maybe? selecting the new coach or, or anything like that? Have you ever been able to have a say in that in any sort of way? Oh, did, well, uh, that, 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 no, no I've, I've never had I don't a, mean to put you on the no, spot. Well, you're not, and I'm just trying to think the best way to answer it because uh, I, I, I don't necessarily think that donors should be involved in that process. Now, there's been times when athletic directors or presidents – I've been on several uh, selection committees. Yes. Uh, uh, I, I couldn't even begin to count how many selection committees I've been on. So, And there's been times when the athletic director or president has reached out and asked for my opinion or input, but, uh, and especially when it comes to letting coaches go, uh, I stay away from yeah, that. Yeah, definitely. Because that that's a touchy situation. Because, number one, these coaches, for the most part, have become my friends. And, uh, you know, and, I, and I know their families. And when you let somebody go, whether it's in my own business or – a coaching career that's that's hard stuff it doesn't just affect the coach it affects 
their family and it affects the assistant coaches. It's a, it, that's a tough thing to do. And I'm, I'm sure if you had an athletic director sitting here, that's what they would say. That's their hardest part of their job is when they have to let somebody go. Certainly. Jeff Hunter wrote a story a few years ago in the Herald Journal, and there was a quote in there from you, and it says, these things are relatively simple to do, building facilities. You just need the right people in place to make it happen. There's nothing magical about getting these projects done. You just have the right people in the right place. But you've got to have the resources. True, but you, well, the, the resources are probably there. But you've got to have the right, like I said, I didn't know I was that eloquent back then. <laughs> I, don't, I don't remember saying that. That sounded pretty impressive. But, uh, you know, you, you, everything kind of came together, and I don't think enough, uh, uh, enough is, is said about the timing of having President Albrecht here, of Randy Spetman, of Scott Barnes, of Gary Anderson, uh, Craig Smith, all those things coming together, Stu Morrill. You, you've got to have the right nucleus uh, you know, to get people to buy into it and be on board. So, who 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 came up with the vision of that building in the north end zone? When you when you get right down to it, uh, you know, I, I told this story at the induction uh, ceremony, and I hate I hate to keep referring to that. No, but, please uh, do. But uh, when I was uh, when I was there, uh, Rand, uh, Randy Spetman was there as a guest of mine, and uh, when I got up there and I told the story about the great leadership qualities that Colonel Spetman had. And I said, this story is embellished a little bit, but not much. But when Randy got here on campus and he saw how bad our dressing room was, the worst in Division One football, I don't think without any question, R Randy, uh, as, soon, the, as soon as the last play of the last game was over with, Randy brought in the demolition crews to tear it down. He didn't have approval. He didn't have money. He really put his career uh, at stake uh, to do that. And he, once they tore it down, I think the university was pretty well committed. They had to have something there. <laughs> but uh, I always use that as an example of the great leadership. Uh, may not have been smart leadership at the time, but that, uh, that, that kind of got everything going. So anyway, you say, whose idea was it? It was, it was Randy's idea. But really, the idea of that goes back years and years ago to a friend of ours, Craig, Chuck Shelton. Mm -hmm. Chuck Shelton, when he was the coach here, we'd meet for coffee every day at McDonald's and We'd, I remember sitting sitting there and drawing on napkins how to add a second floor onto that facility. And, well, you know, it, it, it became more than two floors. It became three floors and much bigger. And uh, But that, that's kind of where I first started hearing about it. We'd actually sit at McDonald's and say, okay, well, if you added a second floor here, we could do this, do that. And anyway, but it took a while for it to come into fruition, but it happened, so. Newly minted Utah Sports Hall of Fame inductee Jim Love joins us here. Craig Hislop alongside, and it's a pleasure to have both of them here on the Full Court Press here on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Uh, has the vision that you had for for the Maverick Stadium, has it been accomplished, or do you see more happening? Do you want more to be done? Oh, boy. Uh, you know, at, at some point, uh, and I don't know that it's needed right now, but at some point, you know, this is just me speaking. Sure, I, please. Yeah. The, I, my, my opinion is no different than any other fan's opinion. It's, it's really the athletic director and the staff and the president and the board of trustees, all those other people. Uh, but but I, at some point, I think that we're going to have to fill in some of those areas with seating to around maybe 30,000 seats. That just sounds better when you're, when you're asked, okay, well, what's, the seat, what's the seating of your stadium when you say 23 or 24,000? 
that doesn't sound right. But thirty thousand, that just has a, a a catch to it. And there and there's there'll be times coming up. There has been in the past, and there'll be more and more in the future. The boys see the BYU games, those type of games, Washington State next year when you could probably have thirty thousand people in the stadium. What about the spectrum? Well, I know there's a lot of talk out there about <laughs> a new facility, but I love the spectrum. Yeah. I, I really do, and I, uh, I, I, if I had a vote, which I don't, but I, I would just keep the spectrum pretty much the way it is. Maybe tweak it a little bit. I know you can't do a whole lot of remodeling to it because then you get into ADA requirements, and then it becomes a huge, expensive tab, and that's where. At that point, it's almost easier to build a new facility than to remodel the existing one. But the, but the the amount of spectators the spectrum holds is great. The the fan involvement at the spectrum is great. What do you think, Craig? I'm curious. Well, you and I grew. We we were here when the spectrum was built, and I'm just curious what you think. I you know I was working at the U of U for three years when it was built, and I walked into it the first time, and I and some people had complained to me. They said, why didn't we put all blue seats in there? These seats, I love the the, the colors in that building, first of all. That's yeah. my first okay. uh, opinion. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Duke University gets by with, a, I think, an arena with fewer seats than yeah. ours. And they're doing just fine. In Gonzaga? Yeah. So, no, I, I, knowing the money would cost to replace it, I don't know why you want to spend that money. Well, you know, and I always hear about the... The autumn-covered seats, too. But my thoughts on that is if somebody's sitting in the seat, you don't see the color of it anyway. So <laughs> it should be all blue. I got to ask you, you know, you talked about the spectrum and, and your relationships with the coaches. Stu Morrill's legacy here will be forever standing as one of the greatest legacies ever in Utah sports history. Do you feel like he should be honored in some way at Absolutely. Utah State? And how would you like to see that be done? I, I think it ought to be the Stu Morrill court. Uh and it, whatever the price for that is, by going out raising money, million dollars, I'd certainly say no less than a million dollars should be raised uh, to honor Stu Morrill and the great legacy he left. And there again, that's my opinion. That's all it sure. is, is an opinion. Do you feel, I guess, I hope this is an appropriate question to ask, I mean, do you feel that you can be one that can raise that voice to honor him, or do you feel like that's up to the athletic director and the staff and the president i think that's up to the university okay. administration because okay. you know they they have a lot of different things they're always dealing with which i'm not i'm not aware of sure. but uh, i'd certainly if i had four or five projects to list i think that would be one uh you've been the lead donor in, in so many wonderful facilities and so much done at utah state how have others or how have you, how have you seen others taken that follow and that lead of yours in in regards of donations at utah state well, you know, I, I don't follow that closely. Uh, I, I know there's been a few people, several people uh, step up over the years. Uh, I have to give a great uh, thank you to Steve Mothersell because uh, I remember when we were talking about doing the end zone facility, I'd, I'd heard that, I'd heard this plan so many times over the years that I didn't really take it seriously. And we were in a meeting one day with, I, I forget who the athletic director was even at the time, but Steve Mothersell, and I didn't know Steve very well at the time, but Steve Mothersell uh, raised his hand and says, I'm putting $500,000 towards the new end zone facility. And that just kind of paved the way for, uh, it gave credibility to me, so I was anxious to jump in and join. So, But, but there's, been, there's, a whole, there's a whole lot of others that have really stepped up and done quite a bit. Uh, some, I think 
and I'm, I, I get way too much credit way too many times because <laughs> uh, there's, there's a lot of people that step up and make these things happen. I think for just a second here, we've got to take a, a second and talk about Cash Valley Electric. And I know you took over that business in the maybe early 80s. Am I close to uh, when you uh, were in control? Well, well, If I heard correctly, your grandfather had passed away during or is it after the UCLA-USC game? Yeah, halftime of the Coliseum. And your dad took it yeah. over. Yeah, yeah. So my dad would have. Well, I think my dad was actually pretty much running the he he was probably president of the company at the okay. time. My my grandfather was kind of retired. He loved to go to the horse races out of Santa Anita, Santa Anita Dodger games and Southern Cal. That was that was his retirement. So my dad was actually pretty much running the business. And then my father retired in 1982, right after the death of my younger brother. And then my older brother and myself ran it uh, jointly for. I don't know, a certain number of years, I can't remember exactly, and then he left the business, and so I've been doing it since. So now here it is. Okay. It's it's an international business. I mean, it's fair to say that, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's a little bit of an exaggeration. But do you we, do work we, overseas? Well, we're, we have. Okay. <laughs> we do. So, that, that seems weird to call Cash Valley Electric an international business, so. Well, I'm, 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 I'm glad we have a business like that. We refer to it that way, but... When when did it? I mean, I remember when you guys started doing work at Newcore, and then I heard that you had been out helping Newcore with other buildings. I assume that's yeah. when it really got be, became more than a valley business. That's correct. Uh, yeah, you know, it, prior to Newcore in 1980, we'd done intermittent projects uh, in Colorado and the Northwest, mostly on military bases. That's mostly what we did was government uh, projects. Then when Nucor came in 1980, and we developed a strong working relationship with Nucor, and then they they moved they they built a large facility in Arkansas, and they took us with them to Arkansas to work on that project. And at that point, we just kind of everything just kind of mushroomed, and we grew along with Nucor, and then we branched out and created other divisions within the company. That you know our our Portland office. Uh, has a great relationship with Nike, and so they, we do Nike projects all across the world, um, and that's that's been a fun account to have. And so it's yeah, it's been fun business. I, I enjoy it. So uh, over the years, from time to time, you'll have uh, a former Aggie athlete working for you, Nathan yeah. Wickiser, who I, I used to travel with the Aggies in the day when he was the, the yeah, player, and uh, he's, he's moved right up your business. Nate has Nate has just recently been named president of the company. He took over my position as president. I'm still CEO, but Nate's been a great addition. Nate has such great passion. And, and, and I like to hire athletes when I can because athletes know how to compete. <laughs> and they also know that you're not going to win every time. And when you, when you do lose, when you, you, you can't feel down very long because you've got to get back up and you know, get ready for the next match. And that's kind of the way construction is. But, yeah, so Nate's been great. Uh, we had Novich Hunter working for us. Uh, he, he was a great addition in our safety department, and then he unfortunately passed away. Uh, Dave Cragthorpe was my babysitter. Did you know that, Craig? No, I didn't. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, Dave was my uh, babysitter, and his son, Steve Cragthorpe, worked for us for a while. Oh, gosh. And then over the years, we've had a lot of athletes pass in and out. College athletics is, is, is like a business. It's competitive. And uh, in the case of the Aggies, and I made the comment earlier, 
when the Aggies had fallen behind with facilities, among other things. All a coach really wants is, a ch- they, they say this a lot, I just need a chance to be able to compete. And you've got to have a sense of pride in, in what your support has meant to making that very thing possible for these guys and, and girls. Yeah, no question. No, I, I am excited. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, at the end of the day, I am proud of what's been accomplished. But, but here again, I, I, I get way too much credit. First of all, I, I need to give credit to the employees of Cash Valley Electric because, because of their hard work and their dedication and commitment to excellence not only the employees that work for us now, but the employees have worked for us for the past hundred years because they laid the foundation. But I, because of all their efforts, that was they were able to put myself and Cash Valley Electric in a position where we could contribute. And, uh, and you know, and, and I, one thing I want to maybe talk about a little bit is we don't just support USU athletics. Uh, we we support. Uh, I, I can't even begin to name the number of organizations and teams and. Uh, hospitals and benefit groups that we support. So yeah, we, we try to have a culture of helping the community uh, wh- wherever we're at. And in fact, a few years ago, we were the sponsor of the University of Alabama Cheerleader Squad. Uh, you know, I, 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 when I think about you and, and being, I guess we'll move on to the Utah Sports Hall of Fame induction. Uh, how did you find out, first of all? Uh, I got a phone call, gosh, maybe about six months ago from Norma Carr, who was the president of the Utah Sports Hall of Fame, and she told me, and I was kind of speechless for a little bit, but I, I was excited when she told me, and you know, and we couldn't really talk about it for maybe three or four months, so it was just kind of our, our little secret. How hard was that to keep? Oh, it was pretty easy because, you know, number one, I don't like to talk about that kind <laughs> yeah, of that's stuff. That's true. But uh, prior to that, they, you know, they had to come up and they had to do all kinds of interviews and videos and all kinds of information. So, you know, people knew about it, but it wasn't really public. So. What, was the, what was the support like? I mean, just uh, uh, the throngs of people who came to support, specifically you and all you've done for Cash Valley. What was that feeling like to see all that? Well, it, it was it was really first of all the the Hall of Fame, the Utah Sports Hall of Fame. They do a great job. I've been to this event four or five times over the years, and they do a great job. And a few years ago, I remember standing there when Spence Eccles was inducted, and he marched in with his grandkids carrying the University of Utah flag and playing the Utah fight song. And I remember thinking that would really that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And then. I, little did I know that three or four, two or three years later, I'd be able to do that. I'd have my sons, they marched in carrying the Utah State flag with the Aggie fight song. But yeah, we had a great crowd. Uh, the, the former athletic directors were there. Uh, Stu, uh, Stu was going to come, and then he got the flu that day, and Larry Stacy was supposed to be there, but he had a, a medical situation he had to take care of. And uh, Chuck Shelton was there. Uh, Chuck's not only been a longtime coach, but he's close family friend. He's the godfather of my youngest son, and he was there, and he's, his health isn't good, and it was really a great effort for him to get up from Scottsdale, Arizona, but he was there. Chuck Bell, Scott Barnes, Randy Spetman, who am I missing, Craig? And he, plus, there was all, all kinds of employees, friends. Uh, Tarvish Felton came from Fresno, and that was Coach Jones from the University of Utah. 
then uh, plus all the employees and friends and associates. It was a fun night, uh, and uh, but it was it, like I say, I I hope it was more about Utah State University than me because it was it was fun to be right in the middle of Cougar and Ute country, and <laughs> we we had many 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 more than. <laughs> the Utes and the Cougars had. It was fun. It was it was neat. It was a neat night to be an Aggie. Uh, I was just thinking about uh, the athletic directors over the years and guys that go way way back, and all that they've had to do sometimes with resources that weren't as much as they have now, and uh, knowing the support that even as you talk about what what was it called the Dollar a Month Club or Buck a Month Buck something a like month, yeah that, that goes. That far back, that support is is absolutely necessary to college athletics. Absolutely, and um, some in some form or another, we've always had it. Yeah, we have. I, yeah, do you remember some of my favorite boosters I've known over the years are really not the ones that necessarily gave a, a great deal of money, but they were so sincere and they loved Utah State and they loved the kids. And I'm going to throw a few names out, and you'll remember them. Uh, George Sonata. Absolutely. George would be at practice, football practice, oh, every, 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 day. Day. every day. Every day. Uh, uh, of course, Ken Mitchell. Uh, a, a couple of the names I'm forgetting about. There was a Dr. Hales. Remember him? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he, just, he was just such a sincere and dedicated guy. Uh, but but those, are, those are the, well, Max Jones. Max uh, just had great passion for Utah State University. Former police chief. Police chief and... Uh, he, uh, he, he lived and died. Lex Bear, there, there's been so many. But, uh, you know, sometimes those guys don't get enough credit. It, it's uh, they, they're the, they're the kind of the backbone of Utah State University. And there's people up there now in the same, that are the same way, but I won't name their names right now. But they're, they're just so sincere and they're so, their love and passion for Utah State University is so deep. And those guys are my heroes. Just a couple minutes left with you, Jim. We, again, appreciate you so much you, you're being so gracious with your time and as well as you, uh, Craig Hislop. Uh, what makes you most proud to be an Aggie? Well, gosh. Uh, first of all, I'm a firm believer in that you should support whatever university you went to. Uh, as much as I'm not a BYU fan, I don't mind if a person supports BYU as long as they went to BYU or the University of Utah or Weber or whatever the case may be, but it just drives me nuts when I see somebody, for instance, went to Utah State and they may have season tickets to the University of Utah or BYU. I think that is just dead wrong. But as uh, as far as what makes me proud to be an Aggie, uh, it, it's about the people, and I've known so many great people over the 50 or 60 years I've been involved, the coaches, the administrators, the players. Uh, there's just, I think there's just something special about the people that have passed through the valley. And it's, it's not, I'd say, there's, it's, not, it's probably pretty unusual for a university. And Craig and I would both know instances where coaches have left, and after they've been gone for a year or two to so, somewhat greener pastures, they say, that was the biggest mistake I've ever made. They wish I'd have never left. And uh, I, I think that's a credit to the community, the the lifestyle, everything that goes into making a, a community. Well, Gary Anderson never sold his home when he left. No. And he, he kept saying, I'm going to come back here and live. Yeah. 
And we didn't know it was going to be under these circumstances, but I'm glad he's here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. There, there's so many. There's so many times. I got to ask you now. And, and Craig brings up a great point. You have Craig Smith on one side, who's becoming this up and coming coach, who's now nationally known and and probably wanted by everybody, uh, and who's so endeared and loved by, by Cash Valley people. And then Gary Anderson comes back, and he's doing what he's doing, and and the and the players love him. Can you just quickly talk about what those two coaches mean to Utah State? Oh gosh, uh, Craig! What, what Craig has done in what fifteen months, sixteen months that he's been here is just unreal. I mean, to to go from being picked a year ago, what was he almost last in the conference? They were a year nice. later, he's picked yeah. a unanimous first place. Uh, uh, you know, and everybody knows all about Coach Smith, how much energy and how much passion and everything he has. And I think he has great love for the community, and uh, I'm hoping he just stays here for as long as Craig Smith wants to stay, and I hope that's a long time. Gary Anderson, Gary's a special guy. Uh, Gary just, he's a, even though he went to the University of Utah, he's a Utah State guy, and uh, I don't think we need to worry about Gary doing anything like going to Wisconsin. I think he he learned his lesson there, but uh, they, they mean a lot to me. Their families are great families. Uh, the players love them, and at the end of the day, it's really about the players and if the players have great respect and they're happy with the situation that, that makes for a, a winning program. Jim it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor to have you on our station I can't tell you how much this means to me be able to stand in front of you and and be able to speak with you and, and again have Craig on the other side as someone who I deeply admire in the radio business again thank you gentlemen so much for your time today. It's my pleasure you do a great job thank hey, you. Thank you that's kind of you. Go Aggies. All right, we'll take a break. Coming back, we'll get you ready for the second hour of the Full Court Press. I'm Andre Salveson. Again, a big thanks to Jim Lobb and to Craig Hislop joining me here. We'll get you ready for the second hour and some uh, high school and Utah State Aggie football talk. Get our own Full Court Press. I'm Nate Kreckman. This week in the Mountain West, Nevada gets a critical win over San Jose State. Can the Wolfpack jump back into this jumbled West Division race? We talk to their head coach, Jay Norvell, all about it. Plus, making nine wins for the Mountain West over Power 5 opponents after UNLV. Yes, UNLV wins at Vanderbilt. It's all this week on the Mountain West Radio Network. Friday afternoon during the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. We tend to think of the NFL as more of a team sport. It's less individually driven than the NBA for sure. But if you had to pick one player you would pay to watch right now, it's Patrick Mahomes. The Chiefs quarterback hurt his knee last night, and the panic was felt beyond Kansas City. Mahomes has a lot of fans that don't root for the Chiefs. In some ways, he's closer to an NBA star. He brought the no-look pass to football, and he's usually coming up with something creative on the field. It's hard not to cheer for him and be entertained by him. But unfortunately, one of the reasons the NFL isn't as star-driven is injuries. Quarterbacks especially, mobile ones, they get hurt. Mahomes isn't a scrambler. He doesn't run downfield, but he moves around a lot in the pocket. And we've already seen him struggle with the ankle problems this season. Hopefully this injury isn't too bad, and we can get back to cheering for the one player who most transcends the team name on the front of his jersey. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.